Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. I'm Danielle Moody. <laughs> Why are you so exacerbated? You know, it's a weird day when somebody told me that Bill Cosby had been exonerated and was going home. I was like, you're joking, right? Nope. Like, after three years, they finally realized, hey, um, we made a procedural mistake. <laughs> We promised that we wouldn't use your words against you. And so actually you can go home right away. Um, I, I'm sure I actually touched base with Ellie before we came on. There are uh, many, many other people in the jail, in the prison who. Who they could have released. Yes. Who could have been released on the same stuff. And I, I mean, just to be clear. The court is not saying we found new evidence that he did not rape these people. Right. He did not drug these people. He has not been exonerated. Correct. There was a due process mistake, but I use mistake in quotations because, again, I touched base with Ellie Mistal, who's been on the show, who's actually an attorney, and he was saying, well, the court made a decision that an unwritten agreement, there was an unwritten agreement between the DA and Cosby that mm-hmm. he would provide evidence against himself and it would not be used against him. But the mm-hmm. DA, but Ellie's telling me the DA said he retained the right to change his mind, which is some total, I don't, that I don't understand at all. I, I just, you know, do you remember the New York, was it the New York Magazine? Yes, New York Magazine. The cover from a couple of years ago of all of the women, 50 plus women that had accused Bill Cosby of either drugging them, sexual assault, sexual harassment, all with the eerily similar stories. And there they were sitting on the cover of this magazine. And I think about all of the all of those women right now that after decades of fighting, 
of getting up, uh, the, the courage, the bravery that it takes to accuse such a powerful and famous man, right? That we know that the folks at NBC Universal, where he was, where he had billions of dollars that he was bringing into them over the years, that these entities protect these powerful men all for more money, right? And these women finally got their day finally got a conviction only for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to go, ooh, oops. 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 I had one of I those. Ju- I had it one- makes me, I, honestly, it makes me sick. I don't care that he's 80-something years old and that he needed to be escorted into his Pennsylvania suburban house and that he only probably has a few years left. Like, none of those things matter to the victims who I, I had, he cost them their lives, their livelihood, I had one and his, significant trauma. I had a woman on um, my podcast, Torre Show, several years ago, uh, Lily Bernard, who talked in graphic detail about him grooming her, him having her. Because I didn't understand she her, her story that he raped her twice, and I was kind of like, how did it happen twice? Like if somebody raped you, wouldn't you just like, and you know, I think a lot of people hear that and they go, wouldn't you just not be around that person if they raped you? And like important to ask questions and understand details and context and actual stories. Her testimony to be her interview to be, he drugged her. They went to dinner. She now knows he drugged her. But she thought that she was feeling sick from the food. Mm-hmm. Fell was embarrassed by that. Fell asleep. Woke up in his home. Was embarrassed that she had fallen asleep. She had known him as a sort of mentor, an acting mentor on the Cosby Show for years, and was embarrassed that she had fallen asleep, and went home and was like, "Wow, I feel really bad physically." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A year later. They went out again. He drugged her again. And now when she started to have the same feelings again, she was like, oh, it's not me. It's you. So the first time she was blaming herself for what was happening. The second time she put it together. I feel. I feel terrible for the victims and this is a person who had scores and scores of women who said Mm -hmm. he did this to me and and i know many men in the entertainment industry who were like yeah i've been hearing stories about him from the 70s 80s this is how he got down for a long time as a legal matter it is important that the government be able to convict you on the charge they have. It cannot be mm-hmm. enough that the government can say, he's a bad guy. He's a right. known bank robber, so throw him in jail, even though we don't really have evidence that he robbed this bank. This is, this is Bill Cosby-esque. I'm not necessarily – I'm not lawyerly enough to comment specifically on that case, but I think a lot of black – people especially black men have been put in prison because the government was able to say he's a bad guy do we have the actual Mm -hmm. evidence against him not really but he's a bad guy 
if you are if you so i don't want folks to say a due process mistake is some bullshit because it's not it's important i also think that bill cosby having accountability for what he did is incredibly important also but isn't it funny and not funny haha how rich men seem to get off on technicalities but the people that you're talking about, black and brown, let's just focus on men for a minute, black and brown men that are wrongfully convicted, right? You seem to have very little evidence to throw the book at them for 20, 30, 40 years, but you need all the evidence in the world to come up against rich men and or white men, right? Like a Derek Chauvin, like you needed multiple video, multiple witnesses, all of these things. And so it always seems convenient for me that the system in terms of its technicalities seem to only work when you are a person that has great fame, right? And one of the things that just came out um, as this story was breaking is one of Cosby's attorneys, and I don't remember which one, said, this is a great day for Black America. And I was like, motherfucker, what? Mm -hmm. Excuse you? I long since wanted that man's card revoked and never to have and never to be returned. So don't don't make this seem bigger than it is, which was a big fucking oops by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, as opposed to a victory for black America. Not some victory for black America. It, you know, the thing is that. It completely complicates the whole thing because we were able to say like look you know it's not just a bunch of accusers cosby's been put away you know we have to look at him in a new way now now like i can say i believe these women but if he wants to go on tour if someone wants to express their love and admiration for him as a comedian what have you what can you say you can't like what do you i mean we what, we what still I- accept michael jackson what I think is really interesting right now is how delicately the news commentators, hosts, and analysts, and what have you are trying to balance what it is that they're saying. Because they're making it very clear that Bill Cosby is not, to your point, to your earlier point, not being exonerated on all charges, no. as if like we found this amazing thread that then discredited all 50 plus of these women that have come out with these accusations that have, and have been victims of him throughout his entirety uh, of his celebrity and his career. No, he is being let out of prison on a technicality. And now because of that technicality is unable to be prosecuted again Mm -hmm. for the same charges, right? Because due process and all of these things. So if I'm his attorney, if I'm his PR people, sure, I'm going to spin this and say that this is an exoneration. He was wrongfully accused and then allow folks who can't let go of fucking R. Kelly to then, you know, bring Bill Cosby back into the fold. But to your, you know, somebody asked the other day, because wasn't it just um, either the anniversary of Michael Jackson's death and folks are just like, when are you going to let Michael Jackson go? And I'm seeing the comment sections blow up on everybody's pages that were posting a picture or some remembrance or anything to Michael Jackson. And, you know, the question that I have, Torrey, because 
you know, you're a man, is that like, what is it uh, with the desire of other men, men in particular, to defend predators well, or to minute. defend behavior, like to defend well, behavior well, hold on. that they're like, well, what's wrong with that? Hold on. Let me go. Let me take that in two directions because the folks who are defending Michael Jackson are both genders, both black and white, uh, excuse me, both male and female. Uh, I, I I don't really care about the white people in this conversation, but I fight. I, I see both men and women standing up for Michael Jackson and doubting, questioning, dismissing the evidence that we have against him. Um, I see basically a society that, for the most part, kind of wants to just move on as if that documentary didn't happen. And mm. his music continues to play. You know, people mm-hmm. continue to post pictures of him on Instagram like it's not triggering. Um, you know, like a lot of a lot of people. I, I think the documentary, I mean, like you'll never know because there's no sort of counterbalance. But like, I think the documentary did have a chilling effect on his legacy in that there was a segment of people who were like, Oh wow, he was a monster, and I'm not going to talk about him, and I'm not going to celebrate him anymore. Um, and then there's a group of people who are like, "I don't believe it. I didn't watch it. I don't care. I'm I I always loved him. I'm in the habit of always loving him, and I will always love him." Um, I saw people saying who did not know each other saying the exact same details about things that they had done with him as young boys. And then I saw, wait a minute, there was a string for years of boys who looked the exact same, who were the Mm -hmm. same age. Wait a minute, there were tons of lawsuits alleging the same thing. You know, and we were told Michael Jackson would rather Paying $20 million was better than actually fighting it in court. If you didn't molest a child. Molest a bunch of boys. Let me tell you something. I would not be paying anybody's $2, right? Because that would stain my name, my character for for generations. That's the worst thing that you could do in a society. How would you, $20 million is not, it's not like, well, it's easier to pay $20 million. I don't care if I have $10 billion. I'm not paying you $20 million or any dollars. I am fighting that to the end of time. No, that did not happen. If it didn't happen. Think, but but let, me, let me ask this, because this is a question that is asked all the time within the Black community. You know, it's almost as if we, we act as if there aren't an overwhelming number of Black celebrities, role models, and all of these things that we can't let some of the accused predators that are within our community go because they have some type of talent. Whether it is Michael Jackson or R. Kelly or Bill Cosby, there is always this like, you know, we won't let these people go. We'll still want to step in the name of love. We'll still want to watch their shows. We'll still want to post about them on their birthdays or the days, the anniversaries of their passing. And like, what is it? Because it's not as if 
There was only one. I think right? Roxanne Gay tapped into this in Bad Feminist where she talks about that, you know, I think it was Step in the Name of Love or or, or the was the the remix the, the one of his remixes I I still can't shake. It still just get it just gets to you. I mean like these entertainers were talking about that's what Roxanne Gay is talking about that in music especially but also perhaps in comedy you are tapping into something deeper you dance uncontrollably if a great song comes on you just start dancing it's subconscious mm-hmm. if a if a comedian tells us a, a good joke you laugh it, it just it, it just happens you don't like think to laugh right you think to applaud right but like laughter just happens it takes over your body and people who are able to entertain at that level, where they can hit your subconscious, they have a different hold on you. And like she was saying, like, I feel like, you know, like R. Kelly um, is very difficult and disgusting. And yet, um, what is that? That that one remix that I love. It, 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 you just can't not. And... You know, it, it, there's like one song that still gets me. I I, I don't think, I, I don't think I could laugh with Bill Cosby ever again, because I feel I just it's just so much. It's so gross, and I know that he's gonna want to go on tour as soon as possible. And I know that people people you know will pay for it. Yes, they will show right? up. Right, like and and I and I I think the thing for me, you know, I wasn't connected with Bill Cosby as the comedian so much as I was with the Cosby show and a different world. And, you know, his stamp you, on you're saying you, trying you to, watched those shows, but you didn't. I watched those shows. Yeah. But I didn't watch like his, you know, standups and, and, and things of, and things of that nature. So for my understanding of who he was, it was not a comedian, right? Like it was just, um, you know, the, the moniker that was given to him of America's dad. Right. And, you know, so for me, when the news came out so many years ago, when this all started, it was so disturbing because there is nothing replacing the Cosby show. There has been nothing, nothing. right? Since it's since, you know, from the Cosby show and a different world, what, what shows can you point to that were as iconic, that were as impactful? Nothing, None. nothing became that iconic. We've seen lots of black families on television. But nothing sure. close to that iconic. But it, it would be impossible, given the modern television landscape that is so bifurcated, where you turn on the television, you have a thousand options. At that time, we really only had three or four options or five options at a give, at, at, at eight o'clock on Thursday night. Um, so, you know, I mean, like they 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 had a chance to become iconic and they surely did. From The New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. 
Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming, and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Let me say one thing. My parents were huge Bill Cosby comedy fans in the 70s. And so I listened to a lot of that work. He is an extraordinary storyteller. At least he was in his heyday. Um and it would be funny and it would be engaging. I mean, like you're just talking like one of the great bards of all time who could just sit on stage and just tell you a story about him and his brother and how their father had fed them chocolate cake for breakfast. And it lasted 20 minutes and it was hysterical and it was engaging and it was real and it was authentic and and it he didn't even he didn't need to curse right he, you know and richard pryor was a genius but it would be like super imaginative bill cosby would just take we were walking down the street and it became this amazing real story i mean like i grew up watching fat albert it was just like mm-hmm. it was it, he would dealt with like reality family it, it you know i mean just as a just as a storyteller and you know it was never like here's a punt like it wasn't like a jerry seinfeld like has a punchline that you could tell it was more like Chappelle, and it was these long stories that like you couldn't repeat the stories because the story lasted 20 minutes it was an it was amazing it, it was amazing he he was at that point rightly considered one of the most amazing stand-up comedians of all time 
And I get that. And I get like the genius behind it. But it's like when you learn something different, right? like you are supposed to be able to shift and adapt to the new knowledge that you've been provided. Yeah. And while like I don't didn't want to let go of this iconic, these iconic shows that had such an impact, right? Like I went on the black college tour that was being offered when I was getting ready to go to college because I wanted to be Denise in a different world, right? right? Because like I got to see what college looked like and it looked cool as hell. And I particularly wanted to go to a black college because of it, right? Didn't end up doing that, but like wanted to and had that strong desire to like want to go to college. Why didn't you go to an HBCU, Danielle? Well, because frankly, Torre, I wanted to go to Howard and my parents at the time uh, did not like the neighborhood that Howard was in, in Washington, D.C., did not like the fact that there were still people getting shot up outside at the McDonald's and the places that were around. And I grew up in the suburbs and they felt like it was unsafe. And the other ones were in the South and I wanted to major in politics and Howard was the only one that made sense. So that's what happened. Uh, and that is a big regret of mine, uh, especially now. I hear you. But uh, nonetheless. I mean, I, I agree with you on your larger notion that when we learn new information about these people and that they have done extraordinarily evil things mm-hmm. many, many times, I can't look at Bill Cosby the way that I used to. I can't just forget. I can't just forget um, Dream Hampton's documentary when I watch R. Kelly. Mm. I can't mm. forget um, the do- the Michael Jackson documentary when you post his picture or anything. You know, and the thing with Michael Jackson too that destroys me. The documentary did an excellent job at about showing how the entirety of his life was constructed as a trap. This wasn't a side hobby. This was like the thrust of his life, that he's constantly acting like a child and having Neverland Ranch be, you know, like this this this, this a, giant a, trap amusement park for children. It's all a trap. It's all luring children in and figuring out which ones I can uh, do this with and you know and i still i still think about like the who who was it the macaulay culkins mm, right mm. the um the the corys cory feldman mm-hmm. cory Haim. they were all you know very much at the height of their child careers they were all like 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Photographed and hanging out with Michael Jackson. And, you know, when you learn about those particular stars later on, that a lot of their parents were completely absent, right? Were money grubbers, right? At the end, at the end of the day, I think to myself, like, how many stories would you need to hear about this man that is clearly a predator and is clearly a full grown man child? What grown man is living at an amusement park? What grown man wants to be hanging out with 10 and 12 and 13 year old boys. It didn't. And what parent says like, yeah, that's great. You, know, you go ahead and sleep over Michael's house. You know, no, I, I don't want to say no one, but barely anyone believed it. I mean, like Diane Diamond was one of the very few people I even knew of in media who took these allegations seriously. And she wrote about them. And I thought she was a kook. You know, I feel bad because, um, you know, I was the lead writer about black music for Rolling Stone during that time when Michael Jackson was um, being repeatedly accused. I didn't do criminal stuff. I didn't do legal trial stuff, but I did black. I was the black music guy. And I never took those allegations seriously enough to say i want to i want to investigate i want to do some digging i want you know i want you to send me out there and let me talk to some people and see what i find i i didn't believe it i think i didn't want to believe it i think i wanted to believe what michael said to somebody that i had been a fan of and had been I mean, like Michael Jackson had been in my life as long as I could remember. I grew up watching the Jackson 5 cartoon. Mm-hmm. I remember off the wall, like the day it came out, it, you know, Jackson 5 Afro thing as a little boy. Like if somebody said like, oh, your Afro looks like the Jackson 5. It was like, that was like the highest compliment. And like, you know, I just don't remember a time when he wasn't, you know, on the highest stage. And... <sighs> You know, it was it was it honestly that you didn't believe it or you didn't want to believe it because he was so iconic and such a part of your life and your upbringing and your childhood and like probably your career in 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 music. Was that the reason? Like because you didn't want to, because it meant like then questioning, opening up a whole lot of other uncertainties. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't believe it. There was no there was no community of people who were believing it. Who 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 believed this? I just remember the tri- I remember the trial. And I just remember looking at him and being like, you know, I guess 
my feeling, how I came to it in the particular in the Michael Jackson case is that he was just seemed like such a broken human being, right? Like from such a destructive and traumatic upbringing that I didn't at that time associate the way that he was acting and showing up as a pedophile versus someone who seemed really stuck and traumatized at such a young age that was going to use his wealth and fame as a way to like relive that part of his life that had been taken away from him because he had been working and had been, you know, under the thumb of a very domineering father. Right. And so initially, that's what I thought. That's the story they wanted us to believe. And, you know, we're out here talking about rooting for everybody black. Jordy Mm. Chandler was black. Were we supporting him? Were we rooting for him? Were we standing up for him? I wasn't. I Mm. I wasn't. And I'm like, what? what? You didn't even ask? And I think there's a lot of weird... I don't know. I don't know. You know, I see what Felicia Rashad said about Mm. Cosby. And I'm like, really? Like, you could have said nothing. And, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, I know there were already a lot of people who were like, why is Bill Cosby in jail? He shouldn't be in jail. And then pulling out all of these other men who have done horrible things or other celebrities and they're not in jail. So, like, why should he be in jail? And I'm like, are, do we have to have this situation where two, you know, two wrongs make a right? Like, they don't. And, you know. I just think about all the way, all the times, again, that wrongfully convicted people should have been exonerated, should have been let out of jail, and were not. And I'm just like, what makes this the technicality that we open up the prison doors for and these other cases not worthy of that? And it comes back to fame and to money. Yeah, I mean, right? like, like, at a time when we are moving toward legalizing marijuana nationwide and there are hundreds of thousands of people in prison for nonviolent marijuana offenses why they are in prison and bill cosby is not is offensive i mean it's just disgusting it, it, it you know we think about the fact that what was it you know over the weekend Derek Chauvin, 22 and a half years, right? And we want to be told and tell ourselves like, oh, this is, you know, this is accountability, all of these things. And I'm like, how is that accountability when there are black and brown people serving 30 years for a fucking dime bag, right? While, while white people now are setting up their dispensaries and their fucking weed lounges and doing all this stuff, you got folks still sitting in prison. Right. Like. And I'm saying, like, when are when are we going to when are we going to open up all of the doors and allow people who have been wrongfully accused to get out? But this is the this is the black person you want to let out of prison. This one. I'm like, come on. Come on. I can't wait for him to 
go on tour and act like... He's 83 years old. What tour is he going on? Well, he was on tour... Like, is it sponsored by AARP? Like, where wow. is he going? look at you. Look yeah, at I you. said it. I don't care. He went on tour um, shortly before he was uh, on trial and convicted. Um he this is what he does and he needs to be out in the light and the public now more than ever he will go out on tour probably starting later this year and do his comedy and be like i'm free i'm exonerated i'm the, i'm the man you love me and i love you hello friend and like yeah, let me tell you something. That's the friend I don't want to be united with. I would shut the door in his face. He would not be getting a red cent from me whatsoever. No, thank you. No, thank you and goodbye. And I don't want to, just like um, who was being paraded out the other day, wanted to test the waters, Matt Lauer, to see if like he could peek his head out from, you know, out from his, out from his home. And I was like, sir, no one wants to see you. No one misses you. Go the fact, go the fuck back to your lair, right? Like, we're good. Thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I feel, I feel just so. I, I, I feel down <laughs> because just the weight of all this is so much, and the notion that we really do have two justice systems. And you know, when it was Derek Chauvin. Folks were like, look, black man got this, white man got this. But you sort of underlined, too, this week, it's not just black, white. It's also a class structure yep. that has access to more lawyers and more lawyering. You get the amount of, 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 of lawyering that you can pay for. And he had his mm-hmm. lawyers who were able to keep fighting the case uh, over the years, the three years that he's been in prison. Whereas a poorer person would have had to stop paying those bills and they would have moved on to another case. Thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. <laughs> and I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week if there's a country. <laughs> if with some another undeserving motherfucker that I'm sure is going to be leaving prison. <gasps> yeah. Thanks, America. <laughs> <laughs>